This is the Razorback Podcast, produced on the campus of Arkansas High School in Texarkana, Arkansas, bringing you the stories that matter. Now, here's your host, Braden Gaps. On this episode of the Razorback Podcast, Callie Joe Brooks interviews Mr. Westbrook to discuss the latest upgrades and remodel to the RTV studio and classroom. Chloe Witt reports on two members of the campus who had coronavirus, science teacher Ms. Huberl and RTV News executive producer Evan Burton. But first, we provide the perspective of three seniors stepping into their final year of high school during the middle of the pandemic. Here's Evan Burton with the story. It doesn't take long to look around campus to realize how different things are in 2020. The parking lot is more empty than normal, signs on the floor telling us to keep our distance, and a large portion of the student body learning from home. It's not just going to be business as normal this year. I spoke to three seniors to find out how they're dealing with the unsettling reality of a not-so-normal year. I even used a boom mic to keep my distance from Chrissy Freeze, Jackson Walls, and Mackenzie Atkinson as we talked. I guess it's kind of a it-is-what-it-is type thing. You just deal with it. That's Kenzie Atkinson. Chrissy is glad to be back on campus. Now that I'm back, I'm enjoying it because it's my last year and I'll make the best out of it. Kind of made me clear of drama and I came back refreshed, you know? Jackson is settling in nicely to his final year of high school. I'm enjoying myself. Senior year has been real easy and slow and relaxing. Uh, It's been very nice. Jack believes this is better preparation for life after high school. Because it gives us more responsibility, more more room to, to grow out of our shells. Before opening back up, many students wondered if it was worth it to come to school for the traditional five days a week or if a safer, more distant option would be more beneficial. I feel pretty safe because I don't really have anybody close to me or, some, or um, you know, someone who could actually get hurt from the virus. And so I think if I were to contract it and I, you know, went home and got quarantined, I think my family would be safe. I feel comfortable with, with, the, with the situation. Uh, those, those are all not very academically focused. It, it's nice to have those in our year, and I would, I would love to go to all of these special events that are focused for seniors. But if, if worse comes to worse and we have to shut the schools down, and, and uh, we've already, the school has already taken precautions to, to fix things up. So other than that, I'm, I'm not really too worried about it. I'm not so much worried about it. I feel like the school is taking good precautions, you know, and... Um, yeah, I just feel, I feel more comfortable now that I'm here. And that's just some of the commentary from three seniors in the middle of a pandemic. We will likely document more of their stories throughout the year. For the Razorback Podcast, I'm Evan Burton. I myself am a senior doing virtual learning this semester. I'm sitting in my house as I record this podcast. Because of that, I'm relying on our team to conduct all on-campus interviews. With more, here's reporter Chloe Witt. COVID-19 has completely taken over the lives of citizens all around the world. From being quarantined to wearing masks wherever you go, this virus has affected everyone in some form or another. But what is it like actually having the virus? I interviewed Arkansas High science teacher Hannah Hubrell and senior Eben Burton on how they coped with the virus. Even though Ms. Hubrell wasn't experiencing any symptoms, a close family member tested positive, forcing her to get tested as well. I wouldn't have even gotten tested if my mother hadn't um, gotten sick and had to go to the doctor and she tested positive because basically my symptoms was I thought I had a sinus infection, so a little bit of stuffiness and I was really tired. Um, but then about three or four days into into it, I noticed that I lit a candle when I cleaned my house and I couldn't smell can smell anything at all. When the coronavirus first started, many people came to the conclusion it was just like the flu. Although symptoms may be similar, Evan says they aren't as similar as people believe. Honestly, I believe it's a lot like the flu, 
but I think with the flu, it's like bad for like days straight. With COVID, I kind of had like an on and off switch with being sick. So some days I might have been sick and it'd been pretty bad, like, you know, my first and like my fourth day being sick where, you know, I was just like up and down and just like kind of bunch of stomach pain you know, around day four or five, you know, I lost my smell and my taste, which was super weird. But with like the flu, like when I had it last year, it was just every single day was just horrible. I felt like garbage. I felt like I didn't want to do anything. And that's why I honestly think it's more of just like its own thing. It's flu-like, don't get me wrong, but it's it's definitely a lot more different than flu. Even with a normal cold, a person's day-to-day tasks can alter until they feel better. In a global pandemic, it seems like those daily tasks can just be put on hold. Well, since, you know, quarantine is the first, you know, action that you have to take when you get corona, I spent most of my time just at the house. I did my homework that I was supposed to do at school when I was out. I remedied myself with flu medicine and like Dayquil and NyQuil and cough syrup that was prescribed to me and some antibiotics that I wasn't sure were working or not. I definitely did not take on the day-to-day tasks that I usually do, you know, with getting groceries for the house or going to work. That all kind of shut off once I got sick. So there was no day-to-day task for me. It was literally locking myself in my room and just making an attempt a strong attempt to not get my family sick. On the contrary to Evan, Miss Hubrell seemed to have a much more eventful time, which left her more drowsy and tired than before. I just wanted to lay around the house all day long, but I was doing um, professional development through the school on Zoom all day, and I have a two-year-old who he also tested positive, but it didn't affect his energy levels at all. So I went, I had to chase him. Day after day after day, even though I was so tired. The virus is a controversial topic. According to Evan and Miss Hubrell, their previous views changed after contracting the virus. Oh my goodness. So towards the beginning, um, I was very careful. I, you know, scrubbed all my, all my groceries, all of the things. And then, you know, the longer this went, I was still very careful. But, you know, I didn't know anybody who had, who had the virus. All of a sudden... Half my family had it. And so it really made me take the pandemic a little bit more seriously or a lot more seriously. And so um, even though I got the light end of the stick and so did my husband and my son, my mom and my grandmother were down for over a month. They could barely do their normal day-to-day tasks. So it made me like really take it seriously that, I mean, you never know how it's going to affect you. I had this whole preconception, uh, like most, or a misconception that most people have that, you know, oh, it's only people with pre-existing health conditions that get and get super sick and die. Or, you know, it's only people that don't have good immune systems that can get it. And that's 100% wrong. And to have this, like, amounted weight put on my shoulders, you know, to find out that I could get somebody's grandparents sick and cause them to, you know, get, like, very severely ill or be the reason that somebody has to go and get a tube stuck down their throat 
it definitely changed the way that I viewed the entire situation as a whole. Because it reali- it made me realize that as a, a, a person of the Texarkana community and a student of Arkansas High, how much impact I could make, you know, walking around and just spreading it. Because I could be possibly the reason that, you know, somebody dies. And that's not something I want on my consciousness. For the Razorback Podcast, I'm Chloe Witt. Thank you, Chloe, for that report. This summer, the Razorback TV classroom and studio underwent some big changes in a short amount of time. When Mr. Westbrook was allowed in the school, he immediately began moving cameras, clearing a new space, and preparing for the studio wall to be torn down. Callie Jo Brooks spoke to Mr. Westbrook to find out more. What were some of the changes in the studio? Well, one of the big changes is right where we are right now. We're sitting in the podcast room. And we also have a brand new Mac lab. And on top of that, we remodeled the studio. So we have our studio that looks a little bit more professional now and a nice control room with a custom console space for all of the control room equipment. And that's uh, pretty much the upgrades, I think. I do remember it being a little messy. Yeah, this room here, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, We've got the sound panels on the walls. Well... We're, we're almost done sort with of. that. We're working on it. Got a few behind us here that haven't exactly been hung up yet. Uh, but this room here, it's a, about a 10 by 10 room, and it was basically a junk closet. And students would always come by and say, like, what are you going to do with that room? What's all that stuff in there? What are you doing with that room? And I would always tell them, I don't know, just storing junk. And so we turned it into the podcast space and got two brand new microphones in here where they record into the audio software at one time, which is what we're using now. And it's going to be a a great little space to do some podcasting. Yeah. How do you think this is going to benefit the RTV students? I think that's a great question. Um, We have a lot of real world hands-on opportunities here that now exist, especially right here in this podcasting space. A lot of folks listen to um, podcasts on their phones, and I guess whenever people are listening to this, that's what they'll be listening to it on. And there's jobs out there now for people who want to do, you know, audio production. This is kind of like the new age of radio, basically. We're just doing audio the way folks used to do it a long time ago. And so that's one big area where the students can kind of expand their horizon and learn how to tell stories through audio, learn how to interview people. And then also, you know, the control room, I think, presents a lot of great opportunities for the RTV students to learn how to direct, learn how to do sound, and to learn how to run the teleprompter. And then same for the studio, you know, it's it's a little more state-of-the-art now, it's a little more professional, and I think it just gives students an opportunity to learn in a professional environment, something where they could maybe one day walk into a TV station and not just be completely overwhelmed, you know, whether it's in college or an actual job, they'll kind of already know what it looks like and already kind of understand the process of what to do. I agree. You're good at this. <laughs> Thank you. I've been doing it a while. What do you think the students will be able to accomplish with the new setup? Uh, Well, I think there's a lot to accomplish. I think sometimes we get a whole lot of technology and and it's almost too much, you know? So I think we have to take it a little bit at a time. I definitely think students will learn how to do things like this right here, interview one another and, and communicate. That's a big thing. I always say I don't necessarily want or need all of my students to go into TV broadcasting or radio broadcasting, but I want them to learn how to communicate with people, have confidence, um, and just get an understanding of what it takes to do some basic things. Because 
someone might not ever become a full-time news anchor, but when times are hard, you know, maybe they have a part-time job filming weddings on the side or something like that. There's opportunities to make extra money along the way down the road, even if you don't do this for a full-time career. So, there's lots of different opportunities, and I think um, they kind of present themselves in a lot of different ways. What was the process like setting all of this up? Now, that will take a while to answer, probably. Um, so, we started this last August, actually, I think is when I kind of first said, you know, we need to we need to make some changes. The The program's been really successful the last couple of years. We've, we've been... Um, regionally recognized and nationally recognized, but we also had a studio with a bunch of holes in it. I remember watching one specific interview back in probably August or September of last year, maybe October, and thinking, goodness, there's a hole in the background behind the guy's head that we were interviewing, and that just doesn't look good. So it's been about a year, actually, of starting the conversation to just try to change some things and make it look a little bit better. And then around December, I think we got a little more serious about it, and then, of course, you know what happened in March. We basically shut everything down on campus, and so it kind of came to a screeching halt. But um, I'll tell you, I, maybe I shouldn't admit this. I don't know. I came up here a few days whenever we were at home. I tried to follow the protocol, you know, and get permission to come up here. And I just started moving boxes and moving junk and taking old stuff out because I had had enough. And I was tired of sitting on my back porch, basically, and um, I wanted to just find a way to do something. And so I just came up here one day for a couple of days and just started clearing all the junk out and said, at least if we can get started, the space will be available to begin. And I got to thank the TASD maintenance department. Those guys were incredible. Uh, we didn't have a lot of school funding to, uh, to operate off of. And so like, I don't know if you know this, but the studio in there, they repurposed the glass windows. That's the same glass that was on the previous studio wall, the same door. Um, they they just kind of did a lot with, with very little, really, um, and made it look super, super nice. And then our magnet grant kicked in uh, quite a bit of money as well for some of the various equipment. And these microphones that we're talking into are, are pretty expensive, actually. And so that helped. And once we got the ball rolling with uh, the maintenance department and the, uh, the magnet grant, then things started to come together. But I can tell you, the red wall behind us here and the red studio wall, I went down to Sherwin-Williams and bought a uh, can of red paint and just said, we're going to get started on this. And that's kind of how we finally got going. So it, it was a long process, I guess. But at the same time, it only took about three or four weeks to complete. We've still got a couple things we still need to do. There just hasn't been time. So once we got going, it was a pretty quick process. It just kind of took a while to get everybody on the same page to, to actually get the job done. Well, it looks really well, so I'm glad Thank you. that y'all did you. that. Is there anything else you want to add to the new setup? Um, yeah, this, this space here actually was intended for three microphones so that we could have multiple people um, you know, three people in here together at one time, but social distancing and all that, we just weren't able to do that. So I still have the other microphone. I'm kind of just holding it to see if we can, you know, include that later on. I think I don't really need to add anything to the studio. I think the big thing is getting enough students in the same class period to be able to try to begin to do some live things and 
work on doing a newscast live. We've been really good editing things after the fact, but to do it live would really set us apart. So I think it's just going to come down to more students and more practice and just trying to utilize what we have. A special thank you to all of our guests on this episode of the Razorback Podcast. Remember to follow, like, and subscribe to our social media accounts. Search Razorback TV on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm Braden Caps. Thanks for listening to the Razorback Podcast. You've been listening to the Razorback Podcast. The host and executive producer is Braden Caps, associate producer DeMonte Jameson. The Razorback Podcast is a production of the Razorback Media Programming on the campus of Arkansas High School.